Welcome to what might be the most NSFW episode of Mancy. <laughs> episode 25, a podcast about magic and its influence on our culture. In each set of episodes, we cover a different method of Mancy or method of magic. I'm RJ Walker. I'm a spoken word artist and writer. With me is my co-host, L. Hi, I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and a solitary eclectic witch. Sexy times. <laughs> How magical. I'm Bound, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I was I'm, I'm sure the, the listeners have been able to judge by the title, but we're going to be talking about some NSFW topics here. Uh, we're going to be talking about sex and its relationship to magic. However, I think the cultural relationship to sex, especially the spiritualist and religious relationship to sex, is highly important subject matter. These are the kinds of things that should be talked about, and refusing to talk about sex can lead to some serious issues for, for our culture <laughs> in the form of repression, miscommunication, and even outright abuse. We have seen the damage sexual repression has done throughout history and even in our own lives. <laughs> yeah. So I want it to be clear that the content here is meant for educational purposes um, in the form of discussion. Of course, neither Elle or me are sexologists and we don't claim to have all the answers. But opening up a dialogue about sex and giving our listeners something to think about in terms of sex and history and magic and spiritualism, I think is... Um, Valuable. In any case, there will be some adult content for adults. <gasps> Only. It's not suitable for children. If you are genuinely looking for like sexual education resources, I highly recommend sexologist Dr. Lindsay Doe and her YouTube channel, Sexplanations. Really handy. Uh, that's not a sponsorship. It's just a resource. I recommend it to anyone who grew up in a place with an inadequate sex education. <clears throat> you know. Which is most. Yeah, like Utah. Places. Yeah, a lot of places in America. I mean, my sex education was pretty good, but it was mostly just about STDs, and it was because I went to a Lutheran school. You will get pregnant and die. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we were forced to watch... Um, genitals that had been infected with various STIs, including some gonorrhea in a woman's eyeball. Sweet. So I knew about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sexy. Sexy. I mean, so sexy. one person's yuck is another person's yum. I don't um, know that that's anyone's yum. And if it is, <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> um, this is going to be, I'm very excited, the season finale of season Ooh. one of Mancy. There is a whole lot to talk about with sex magic. And this is going to be a three-part episode our first three-part episode everyone's like i know of a few episodes that could have been three-part episodes but okay <laughs> neuromancy <clears throat> that was like four uh, parts could yeah. have been <laughs> uh, at the end of part one l is going to perform divination using phallomancy and a special oracle deck of penises and i literally we're gonna see i just got it in the mail Today. So, oh, it was not even just today. It was literally 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago yeah, at this point. So we haven't really dug that much into I it. I looked at it. We're going to see. We're going to see if I can actually do a reading with it. Either way, I'll do the reading and I will try to use the phallomancy cards. But I'm going to I'm going to call it right now and say that they're not super divination focused. But. Uh, you know, um, 
that's okay. I I think it's just as good of content when the divination doesn't work. As when it does. Yeah, we don't, yeah. We don't promise that the divination will work. We only promise that it will be free. And um, you will get a reading. I say <laughs> that you're going to get a reading, but whether or not it's using the divination on topic. <laughs> we try. We try to keep it on topic. Um so it's a it's a dick deck. We're calling it the dick deck. That's the colloquialism. In part two, Elle is going to be doing a cord cutting spell for me, which from what I understand is like a reverse love spell. Um, uh, I don't know if I would say reverse love spell because you can do a cord cutting for anyone. They're particularly really good for romantic partners, though. Okay. And in part three... She's going to perform divination using a sexy tarot deck that features sex positions in place of the traditional tarot iconography. My favorite card in the whole deck is the justice card, which is the pegging position. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty funny to me. Sex is one of the most, if not the number one, most popular human pastime. Of course, uh, <laughs> it's it's always been seen as something inherently magical, not only f- for it as a tool to create life, but also something that's, you know, feels good. <laughs> you know, like, Special and, yeah. Miracle of life. Yeah. Great. Miraculous. That's not, yeah. Also, feel good chemicals in your brain hole. So yeah, that's pretty that's good. That's pretty miraculous, too. Uh, it's also been shown to assist with attachment and attraction. Plus, it's a good time in general. It's just a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the time. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Some people are better at meeting the sexual needs of their partner than others. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> I've never I've never heard of this. I never get this complaint at all, ever. <laughs> I don't know my client's deepest, darkest secrets and whether or not their partners are good. I definitely never hear that. As ever. such, <laughs> sex has been a symbol of obsession for the human race. Is it any wonder, then, that controlling sex has been one of the most prolific tools power structures have used to control populations? Mm -hmm. By controlling population growth, but also by controlling human behavior, because it's a thing people like to do and you give them access to it when they follow the magic rules you've set up. Uh, Whether you view it as a sacred gift from God or a simple biological compulsion, there is no doubt sex is one of the biggest influencers on human history. Something so prolific and influential simply must be magic. Mm. Uh, Dangerous magic. Mm -hmm. Powerful magic. Mm -hmm. Sacred magic. Cursed magic. It it is all of those things. I think all of us have had sex and it has just been a cursed time. Like the whole time. (laughs) This is so fucking cursed. Yeah. Due to the necessity of sex to, you know, keep our species alive, Mm. uh, it bounces all over the place. Like, this sex is okay. This sex is not. This sex is of the devil. This this sex is a divine gift and a privilege. This sex is destroying the morals of society. This sex is a moral imperative. It's all very complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to dive into some of this uh, as we discuss the history and do some biography work of notable sex magicians. And, uh, again, this is one of those topics where you could just do a whole podcast on just this. Well, I think, I think something that is really interesting is like sex is just I don't know that there's anything more human than sex besides magic and I think that sex and magic are just so much a part of each other in so many ways and um, sex and magic both have a quality about them that makes people afraid of it in all sorts of ways and you know 
letting go, trusting people, being able to be present with people. A lot of that is deeply spiritual and a lot of it doesn't actually have to be deeply spiritual. So it's like a very complex thing. But I think, um, I don't know. I hear a lot of really weird fucked up shit about sex in my work. Not like sex acts that are weird, but like opinions about it and thoughts about it and relationships to it. And I have some just truly horrific stories from my clients who just have had the the worst things happen to them and don't understand how to talk about it. So I think that sex, even just from like the perspective of let's take care of people, this is an important thing to talk about because I don't know, gender, gender constructs, sex construct, all of that is such in flux right now and we're having kind of another wave of awakening around it which is exciting for all of us but mm-hmm. it's a weird thing to fucking talk about it is or people think it is it doesn't have to yeah. be but they think it is people think it is but like it's the oldest pastime um. I, so I remember distinctly at one point in my life I think I was 19 years old I was working at a little cable company in Wyoming somewhere during the summer and I went to this gas station on my break to like get drinks for my coworkers, and I was like standing in line 19, very young in Wyoming. And I like looked around the gas station and I realized that every person in there had probably had sex. Like this woman that was like 70 at the counter had probably had sex before. And I was like, like my brain was absolutely fucking blown. I think we've all had that moment. Right. When you just like realize on the bus and you're like, oh man, that 80 year, that 80 year old lady probably sucked a bunch of dicks throughout her life one could hope right yeah, good for one her could <laughs> one could hope you know that's anyway i think it's interesting because i think we all have that but none of us want to talk about it or they I, I think we don't know how to talk about it i don't think we have the tools to talk about it in a healthy way yeah and you know if those tools existed they were destroyed and we're going to talk about that yeah uh, I know. the I'm constant so building up of sexual tools and then the constant de- destroying of them would, um, would 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 you call it edging? Is it edging? Is that edging? Well, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting started. We're going to dive in to sex magic. All right. Spell work by means of sex. Sex. L. In your practice, have you encountered sex magic or sexual spells? I mean, I know you have, but for the for the <laughs> listeners, uh, I know I once bought a sex candle from your store. You did for the meme. <laughs> it was a it was a wax effigy with two people in the ballet sex position, mm-hmm. uh, which is two people standing upright and facing each other. Typically, with the person being penetrated has one leg up on top of something or around their partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, is that like a thing you're familiar with? Um, yes, because, um, yeah, because of everything I just said about how magic and sex are just the same thing. That's, I think, the thing that I tell parents first, because I'll get a lot of parents who have, like, 13 or 14-year-old kids that are really gifted, that, like, want to be psychics and want to get a tarot deck, and I'm like, listen, that's great, but you have to be ready to talk about sex and have like a healthy relationship with it and not be afraid of it, not be ashamed of it and not be embarrassed when you've got people with questions with it. Um, So I would say I see it a lot and I personally, I'm like, I mean, obviously I'm a feminist and I do whatever I want and I'm a free spirit and whatever. So I'm not particularly like ashamed of sex or feeling one way or another about it other than it's good. And so a lot of times, um, 
a resolution to a lot of my clients in their relationships is that they aren't having sex with their partners. I have so many women that are in their 60s, 50s or 60s, haven't had sex with their husbands in forever and just feel so fucking disconnected from it. So um, I work with my clients in like making sure that they're able to please their own needs, like encouraging them in seeking toys or pleasure or other things that will make them happy. Um, I think a thing that is really interesting is how often people feel like, well, I'm not having sex with my partner, so this relationship isn't going to work. And I think something that really bothers me is this perception of like, if you have a partner, you have to be fucking everything. I mean, you had better be perfect and always want to have sex and also have a great job and also always parent the children and do all of this crazy fucking shit. When there are other people you could outsource that to. <laughs> polyamory is outsourcing. We're, dig- we're digging into the into the polyamory. Both Elle and I are poly- yeah, polyamorous. I am. I feel, out, we're like, now out on the podcast. I know. I feel like, well, I, I think it's so funny because the first time people hear me say, oh, yeah, one of my boyfriends, people are like, one of? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I just, you just have multiple of them. It's fine. Anyway, so I think that's something that's like such like at the core of a conversation surrounding like how we as a society feel about sex and how that's changing and how we're hoping to change and how like I don't think that you need to leave an otherwise really great marriage if you're not having sex with your partner but you are able to explore alternate options to make sure everyone's feeling okay and that is just like a super simple like very natural part of being a human because of the good feel good happy chemicals in your brain because of the connection and the intimacy you have with your partner, because of all of that, it really helps in a lot of different ways. Um, I did sell erotic candles. I don't think we ever got into the vagina and penis candles, but those are really popular, too, for spells. Um, the idea is that you're utilizing creation energy to create new energy and stuff. So when you're doing spell work, you're basically just using, like, nurturing or you know, ejaculation energy, like the energy of that to create something. So you're basically giving it the seed of life when you're using like penile or vagina candles. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> monogamy is fine. Um, I just want to point that out. We're not, well, yeah, we're no, not anti-monogamous. Like, no, monogamy uh, I think is great for a lot of and, people. And I'm not saying that you were being anti-monogamous, but I, I, I do like what you were saying. And I feel like there is this sort of like toxic component to our culture and it exists in polyamory too. Oh my God, it's like humans, con- yeah. Controlling your partner sexually, like uh, if they masturbated, they cheat out, cheated right. on me. Like that kind of thing does exist. And I think deconstructing that and understanding that sexual health does not mean like monogamous vanilla missionary sex well, for the rest of it? your life. Yeah, and like um, <laughs> there's so many things like my clients will come to me and they'll be like, my husband and I haven't had sex in like five years and i'm like okay how often do you masturbate and they will look at me like i have five heads and i'm like well are you just supposed to not have to have that need filled because it's a basic human need it is or human desire for a lot of people that can be fulfilled with or without a partner and if your partner is not interested in that um one healthy conversation surrounding that and saying i need more out of this relationship or i need to be able to fulfill these needs elsewhere which doesn't often go very well but polyamory would make pretty much all of the conflict in every movie go away if we just did polyamory like Uh, it's it's hard to watch a lot of these like teen romance movies because it's like oh yes toxic monogamy the movie um yeah it's and even even plays because like i'm very much a theater person my degrees in theater and like reading plays from like neil labute who i i love as a a playwright but 90 percent of his conflicts are just toxic monogamy yeah it's just um (laughs) i'm not pretty enough for you or yeah i mean i like neil labute is the tits i did a lot of um 
a lot of his monologues, a lot of his plays, I studied them when yeah. I was in college, and I love Neil Butte. But yeah, they're like it just to me. I feel like the the thought that sex is dangerous, right? That's like a, that's something that is actively believed by people. Sex is dangerous. You're gonna have sex. You're gonna get pregnant, and you're gonna die, right? Like most quotable movie ever. Um, and then there's also this perception of like STIs, like oh, you're gonna get an STI. And it's like if you use protection, those things are a lot less common. So then you just use protection, you get tested, and then it's no more or less safe than going out in public during COVID time. Yeah. Let's be real. Honestly, Y'all are going to house parties. What's the issue with having sex? Honestly, even if you are having sex with multiple partners, you're probably safer than because you're a using, celibate person yeah. using a public bathroom because you're using the tools that are required to protect yourself. Um, right. You know? So there's like that element of it. But if you think about how we as a society view sex being a dangerous thing, how we as a society view women as a dangerous thing. I mean, that's it, right? As women undo societies. It's women's fault that men can't get anything done. It's women's fault for having breasts. Why can't I stop looking at them? Well, it's your fault for having them, right? Yeah. Also, now let's think about magic. Is magic dangerous? I mean, to me, no. no. But to a lot of people, it's dangerous enough to commit a genocide. So look at magic and sex and women all combined. It's all dangerous. And so reclaiming one part of this requires reclaiming all of it to understand and unlock the true power in it. So even if you're a man, even if you don't identify femininely at all, you have feminine energy. It's part of you as a person. Um, and it's like the moon and the sun, masculine and feminine. But there's also this perception of the moon being feminine and therefore being dangerous dangerous, being secret, being something that you can't understand. As though you can fucking understand men. I mean, whatever. But so if you look at all of that and kind of that perception, there's a lot of um, ideas in magic, in tarot, in divination that bring that. What are you laughing at? (laughs) I'm sorry. I almost, I almost. What I'm laughing at is that I have narrated several audiobooks for a dating coach uh, about understanding <laughs> men. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's that's why uh, when Elle was like, well, who can understand men? And I'm like, he can. He this can. author can. He can, at least according to the reviews. Um, <laughs> right. It's got. If it didn't have good reviews, I probably wouldn't have done it. But, you know. That's fair. Well, I think, like, I think the thing that's really interesting and kind of weird about that is, like, this idea that, like, Men are the sun and they live in illumination and innocence and they have all this great stuff. And then women are the moon and the moon is secretive and dark and you can't understand her. And there's always something hidden and there's a man. Like, fuck you. Fuck that. Fuck all of that. That's so fucking ridiculous. And like that there's this expectation of we should be afraid. We should be afraid of magic and sex and women and night and dark. And it's like, nah, bitch, that's half your life. Yeah, it's Al- half of it. Also, if you are a woman and you are the moon, uh, please uh, send me a message. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you might be my type. Anyway, at RJ Walker, I don't wear underwear, and I am the moon. RJ's like, yeah, I'm there. I'm bored. That's it. Cool. I'm great. Yeah. Best pickup line. Perfect. What else did I need from this? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, all of this is so like deeply intertwined, and we're gonna see as we like pick into the story but like that conflict between people and sex and magic and women and all of that is that's what's killed women under the pretense of killing them for being witches for so long like perhaps if your issue is that you can't avoid wanting to have sex with someone maybe you should be fucking and like maybe you could hire a sex worker to do that with you if you can't find someone to do that and then we should i don't know 
decriminalize sex work. But that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. I'm just saying. That's a whole other thing. And we will get injections of that whole other thing into this as we go. Um, but let's get, I'm going to get back on script. Okay. Um, should I, the, should I ring the, I'm just saying. I'm going to, I'm going to take our, there we go. There's probably going to be a lot of that. Okay. This, this is the season finale. There's big feelings about what yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, now, I am going to say that mixing sex with religion or spiritualism can sometimes, well, on occasion, get yucky. Um, <laughs> sex can get really, really sketchy when there are like power structures and systems of control and unequal power exchanges between partners. This is what BDSM play is intended for, finding safe and consensual ways to explore power exchanges through clear communication of expectations and boundaries and enthusiastic consent and consent tools. Uh, obviously, a religious leader extorting the eternal soul of someone to get them to have sex with them <laughs> that is not sex i do not qualify that as what? sex oh can disqualified I, from sex can i actually just interject really quickly yeah. and just say a thing so um i am a survivor of sexual assault i was sexually assaulted when i was 18 years old and um it's like this whole very weird and complicated situation as it often is with people who have been sexually assaulted um and i have had like a lot of years of reflection over this event where I've just been trying to pick apart, like, my feelings and understand, like, my part in it, his part in it, where that kind of combines, where things got weird, like, all of that stuff that you think about as a partner when you're healing. And I was telling one of my really good friends about this, and I was like, I just wonder if, you know, I just wanted to have that connection so badly that I basically put into the world that I wanted to get raped, that, like, that was what I wanted to happen. And, like, super, mm. super dark, super complicated, right? And my friend looked at me, and she was like... Um, Getting raped is not having sex with someone. Getting raped is an act of violence. Yeah. Period. Full stop. And no one had ever fucking said that to me because there has always been. And this was two years ago. This happened to me two years ago that she said rape is an act of violence that I was like, holy fuck, because you can completely undo all of the bullshit that you have surrounding that event. If you just are like rape is not sex. Period. End of discussion. Not the same thing. So I just wanted to say that if you're a survivor out there, if you needed to hear that the way that I needed to hear that, that's that's true. That's the truth of it. Yeah. And in a situation like that with like extortion via spiritualism or religion, that is that is rape. That is yeah. not sex. That is assault uh, and violence. Um, and that is by any means of extortion, deception or manipulation. Uh, and having a discussion about role playing a scene like that beforehand and making sure boundaries are clear and expectations are met with clear and sober consent. That is sex. It's kinky sex. But still sex. Uh, the difference is consent and how it is obtained as well as clearly defined in a simple way uh, that can be withdrawn uh, at any time during the scene uh, or even changed mm -hmm. uh, during the scene. So one of the things I want to make sure our listeners know, sex must be enthusiastically con consensual to qualify as mm -hmm. sex. Otherwise, it's abuse. Yeah. Which is what you said. Mm -hmm. So we're we're in solid agreement. Yes. There's just we have an accord. I feel like those are things that especially if you've never if you've never like done healing surrounding sexual assault, if you've never tried BDSM, if you've never had like conversations with people outside of like the three people you've ever had sex with, those are probably things that you haven't heard before. So important things to say. Yeah. Of course. 
a discussion on the history of sex and sexual revolutions, as well as how sex has influenced our culture. Again, that could be a whole podcast on its own. It probably is. There's probably tons of podcasts out there that are that. Uh, I'm going to cover some of the more interesting sex rituals and practices that have existed around the world in cultures both ancient and modern. I want to make sure our listeners know that I'm using an anthropological lens here. So something that you might be like, uh, gross or you think is disgusting or even outright criminal might be considered normal or obligatory or even celebrated in another culture. So just throwing that out there to uh, keep, keep yeah. an anthropological lens. Americans are also – well, white people are very evangelical about their sex. So like the things that are perceived to be gross or weird to white people are probably just part of indigenous cultures. So like check that perception, y'all. Yeah. And there's – I mean there's plenty of stuff in American culture this that would be considered weird. alarming or even perverse to, yeah. these, to these other cultures. So uh, we're all here to learn. Yeah, I don't understand. just check your check your lens lens if you start getting creeped out. That's yeah, all. just a little note there. And like, again, big topics. Uh, so like, hit the pause button if you need a break. Uh, you yeah. Know? Uh, all right. First place we're gonna go. Ancient China. I was like, where? Where are we gonna go? <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. Not going to ancient Greece this time. Uh, okay. One of the most popular religions, it was like this new up and coming thing that was super cool religion called Taoism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of its principal teachings were that all living things contain chi, which is our life force. Um, in, and that's, you know, in the body and you can project it. There's all kinds of things with chi. Chi inside the body takes the form of jing. Chi is life force and jing is essence. And I'm being super rudimentary about this. It's way more complicated okay. than how I'm spelling it out. It's a it's a whole religion that you could learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, during the Han Dynasty, many Taoists practiced sex because it was a tool for, as they called it, joining energy. By joining energy, you could increase your Jing. But there were risks. You see, Jing is stored in the body's fluids, in the goop. The goop. The goop. And it's especially concentrated in sperm. Mm. So if you ejaculate, you could lose all that gene you built up. So you're playing a risky game with your gene (laughs) stores. Uh, So ancient Taoist men would have tons of sex, but never ejaculate. Or at least avoid it as best they could. Uh, letting out too much jing would accelerate aging, give you less energy, make you more susceptible to diseases. Basically, they invented edging as a spiritual practice. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So they were probably like, not only is this fun, but I'm getting jing powers. Uh, I find that, like... I don't, yeah, I don't know. The whole, the whole concept of exchanging energy via sexual fluid is something that you will see throughout this whole thing. And I, Mm -hmm. I just have so many onions about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, how do you think Aleister Crowley got so greasy? Um, But. uh, Ew. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not going to say it. I'm just ick. (laughs) Uh, So there were two main methods for controlling ejaculation. The first was just the classic, the cl- the classic pull-out method. Okay. And you just pull out. It's like, oh, orgasm's coming. Better pull out real quick. Okay. <sighs> Calm down. <laughs> <Hold it> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
there was a more reliable and even preferred method, though. And this was done by applying pressure to the perineum just before ejaculation. There's, you know, a little spot like the urethra like connects uh, that will you, you add pressure and it'll back up your your jizz. You'll mm-hmm. have a, a jizz. You'll create a jizz dam. And this would prevent the sperm from leaving the body. In fact, it was believed that the semen would travel up through your body and into your brain to invigorate you with good health by filling you with jing energy. You don't want those women to get that. No, no, no. Gotta, you got you to gotta hold that in. And you know what? I hold wish there was more information about um, how the women would express the jing. But all of – almost all of these ancient documents – were destroyed with the rise of Confucianism. So very few, very little of this information of this like sexual spiritualism actually survived. Hmm. Um, again, sexual tools created, then destroyed. Uh, well, I just, it's so like, I think <sighs> there's such weird perceptions of like, people think that if you have sex, you will not be able to do anything but fuck. And that's, but fuck. But, you know, that's <laughs> like... Whackity, <laughs> do. How can I avoid it? Um, but uh, if you have, like, a healthy expression of sex and you're allowed to do that and you aren't sexually repressed, maybe you wouldn't want to just have sex all day because you could actually have it every once in a while mm-hmm. and get that worked out. But, yeah. you know, it's fine. The only things that we have mostly survived in Japan... Um, so if you're familiar with... That's kind of interesting considering how conservative they are as a society. Yeah. But also like ancient Japan, very different place. I yeah. Mean, they were pretty conservative there too, but they were also like um, very much into like the, like the conservatism didn't really target sex as much until later. Oh, okay. Um, you know, like we were talking about, because we were watching Ink Master, because of course. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about geishas, and there was a guy who was like, I can't get a geisha tattooed on I me. I can't have a geisha on me. I can't have a geisha. I can't have a geisha. They're prostitutes. I and can't. Like, yes, in a, in a way, but ge- like it's an it's more of an art form really than just prostitution. Like boiling uh, a geisha down to just a prostitute is like missing everything missing else. yeah the entire everything the else like literally like geisha culture invented new ways of walking um you know yeah. uh to give yourself fluidity in motion so like well but yeah. i think also anything that women can do that makes them more mysterious that makes them shiny because i have this shiny thing where like I, I just I am like unavoidably shiny to people like people literally come up to me in bars and hand me like I got handed a thousand dollars when I was on a date with one of my boyfriends one time and like I'll go like because I, I like to play blackjack right so I'd like went to California one time and I was playing blackjack with a couple of my friends and this guy who had a huge coke nail huge coke nail like was going outside to smoke a cigarette was never smoking a cigarette the pit <laughs> boss was bringing him like the most expensive whiskey he had at least ten thousand dollars out on the table in front of him. He like leaned over. I ran out of chips. I was like, I'm out. And he gave me $250 and he was like, no, I want you to keep playing with me. And I was like, 
Uh, Listen, sugar. Uh, <laughs> I want you to keep. Here's two hundred and fifty <laughs> big ones. I think you're good luck. Here, blow on my dice. Yes, that's exact. It was exactly like I don't want you to stop playing. I don't want you to leave the table. Here's some money. So that's the thing. But like anything that women can do, like dressing better, bathing, um, changing how they move, all of that is viewed as like such. It's like a. It's a weapon, right? In women against men, anything women can do to disarm you is dangerous. Like it just is so much of that like fear of women having any control over anything. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to this really fun thing they're doing in ancient China. Yeah. Um, so in truth, when you do that, when you apply the pressure to the perineum at ejaculation, it causes something called retrograde ejaculation. Essentially, what happens is the backed up sperm is not forced into your brain. It's forced into your bladder uh, through the, the sphincter of your bladder and then is expelled through urination. It's not particularly harmful. Uh, however, it can loosen the the sphincter of the bladder over time if you do it way too much. And by way too much, I mean way, way, way too much. Uh, and that can lead to retrograde ejaculation happening even when you don't want it to. RJ. Yeah. Is mercury in retrograde or is it just your ejaculation? Yeah. Ejaculation is in retrograde. Um. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I was so excited about that, Rude. (laughs) So uh, retrograde ejaculation is actually a chronic condition for some penis havers, and it can cause infertility. Um, But hey, it can actually feel pretty good (laughs) when you do it. There you go. There are even some like phallocentric sex toys designed specifically to apply pressure to the urethra perineum to avoid – to like induce retrograde ejaculation. Hmm. Uh, The official name for this act – is Latin, and I'll explain why in a minute, but it's called coitus reservatus, mm-hmm. which sounds very, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Coitus, uh, coitus reservatus. It makes yeah. your penis soft. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you're doing just the pull out before orgasm, that's called coitus interruptus. And why Latin? Well, because it was a popular thing for Catholics to do to avoid offending God with their carnal lust. Oh. This was also a God's loophole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Growing up Mormon, I know all of God's loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> Including coitus reservatus. Mm. One thing to note. <laughs> about it, though, is that it was used all over the world just as a form of primitive birth control, not even for, like, spiritual purposes like in China, uh, not even to, like, escape the gaze of God uh, with Catholicism, but just like, I don't want to get you pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Catholicism, though, you were allowed to do coitus reservatus and coitus interruptus if it was with your spouse. Typically, old school Orthodox Catholics have strong anti-sex beliefs, but as long as you avoided orgasm with your spouse or were having sex with the intent to reproduce and not achieve orgasm, you're fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. God allows. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is according to the work. Um, it's titled Moral Theology, written by St. Alphonse Liguori. In the 1700s. Also, even today, missionary position is considered the least sinful sexual position. 
positions like doggy style or having the woman on top in any way uh, or anything outside of heterosexuality is considered a sin. And if you were engaging in heterosexual activity in one of the sinful positions, you could be sentenced to three years penance. If you got caught engaging in non-heterosexual activity, they just burn you alive. They just fucking kill you. I found out why the F slur is used to uh, call gay people that Mm -hmm. I don't like the word. It's because they were burned on the fire. Like the whole Mm -hmm. the bundle of sticks was called that. And they would call gay people that to represent them burning underneath witches. And um, if you have ever used the F slur... You got to go donate money to an LGBTQ community. Required. You owe them no, money. No, like right now. I'm, you, like, you I'm saying that actively. <laughs> you on this podcast, if you were this person, I'm psychic. I know. I will not read for you if you do not donate. So figure that out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is especially in the Inquisition. Um, yeah. You know, and I actually put that in the script. Uh, they would burn anybody who was in opposition to the church or considered socially undesirable. Uh, this included anyone engaging in homosexual activity. Yeah. And the Efsler people are like, oh, it just means a bundle of sticks. But it's a bundle of spe- sticks specifically meant to burn somebody alive upon. Yeah, and so, they're like, because you're thrown at the bottom of them. It literally was to explain that gay people and people who committed homosexual acts were lower than any other. They were like used for the, to accelerate the fire. It just is... Yeah, if you've ever said that, you got to go donate. You yeah. have to. It is absolutely required at this point. Or yeah. if I find you, we're going to have words. We're going to have some words. <laughs> yeah. We'll cast coitus reservatus on you and make your penis off. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to <laughs> my mambo who is all about those infinite spells. And she'll, she'll do it. She'll do it for free. <laughs> so there. <laughs> and now it's time for the extra spell sponsored by you. You can donate directly to the show by sending any amount of money to at dollar compliments on Venmo. Be sure to mention Mansi in your donation and I'll give you a fake tarot reading. I'll just do some make em ups. And with we the tarot will cards. read your name on the show and let yeah. people know that you supported us. Yeah. I mean, and you support us. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. We get to make more of the show. Um, for <laughs> this extra so spell, we're going to ancient. Greece. We are going to ancient Greece for this one. Okay. Uh, We're going to talk about sacred sex work. Uh, It's not exclusive to ancient Greece. It's actually all over the world. We're going to talk about it there first. Uh, Many call prostitution the oldest profession. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's the phrase that was popularized in like the late 1800s. But around the world, it was also considered a sacred profession connected to the gods in their temples. Corinth is in is the Greek city where the temple of Aphrodite was located. Often slaves or criminals could be uh, redeemed or set free by becoming sacred prostitutes at the temple of Aphrodite. Anybody could show up and worship Aphrodite by having sex with one of the sacred prostitutes of the temple and by making a donation to the temple. Of course. Hmm. It's just like, this is like an option. Um, Ancient Greek writer Herodotus noted a similar ritual taking place in ancient Babylonia. By his account, women were compelled to, at least once in their life, have sex with a stranger. It's like, you should at least once in your life fuck a random stranger. 
I guess <laughs> was the thing. You know, maybe they're not wrong. I'm not sure. I'm not here to tell I, you how yeah. to live your life. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you feel comfy with. Probably this is my general rule. Uh, don't have sex with someone you don't trust. Yeah, that's a good whatever rule. that means. If it feels icky in your gut, it's probably icky. So that's the rule. That's a good rule. Uh, so uh, these women would wait outside of a temple. And Herodotus said it was a temple to Aphrodite. But being that he was in ancient Babylonia and was just kind of imposing his own like Greek ideas on top of them, it was probably a temple to the goddess Ishtar, who was a goddess of mm-hmm. femininity and sex and prostitution. Anyway, yes, Ishtar's great. Uh, these women would wait outside the temple. And she would wait for somebody to stop by and give her any amount of money and speak some sacred words. It didn't matter who it was. The woman would have sex with them. Uh, Refusing was a sin. Hmm. Uh, The money was, of course, given to the temple because it was considered a sacred part of the ritual. Yeah. So then you're giving back to the temple to take care of the gods. And then that's how you're paying your debt back. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, who knows the secret – the secret – um, Ishtar words. Um, I don't. Know, how, how did they tell people the secret? Like, hey, hey, Jeremy, I found out what the Ishtar words are. Emily's <laughs> popping through the Ouija board. Yeah. This week, the password is great googly moogly. <laughs> I'm sure that it is a sacred, it's probably a sacred thing. Like, they probably have a ritual surrounding it in order to be able to use it. Because I bet that there's, like, certain restrictions on... Maybe not, though, because they take any amount of money. I was going to say donations. Yeah, any amount of money. And um, the idea was that it was a stranger. So it wasn't, like, uh, had to be, like, these specific people, part of this specific group. No, it was just anybody who knew the sacred words words, and gave a sacred offering to the temple. Well, Hmm. to the the person who then would give it to the temple. Keeping it was considered sinful. Yeah. 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 Speaking of Ishtar, Mm -hmm. another sex ritual was done in her name in ancient Sumeria. Young kings were required to bed the chief priestess of Ishtar. Specifically, it was a public spectacle and the adoring public would watch. Uh, If the king and priestess both reached orgasm, it would predict a good harvest and good fortune during the king's reign. Hmm. So it was sex for divination. Aww. It was like, okay, we're going to see if um, Prince Jeremy has finally grown into his crown. <laughs> and then the, the sacred priestess is like, another one of these fucking kings is probably going to die of some stupid, like, tooth decay or something. Oh, well. <laughs> that voice made me think of, do you remember that when we were growing up, there was that commercial with the lady that had the hole in her throat? That was, oh, like, the stoma? Smoking. Yeah. Yeah. That just reminded me of that. It's this yeah. poor priestess. It's like so far beyond enlightened. She's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Just come on in. Whatever. Just <laughs> like thumbs up <laughs> to the to the like crowd of thousands watching her orgasm. <laughs> She's like, yeah, <laughs> we got this one. <laughs> Ah. Oh, no. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Mesoamerica also has evidence of sacred prostitution. Mayans maintain several phallic cults and archaeologists suspect homosexual sacred prostitution. However, there isn't really much to go on since so much was destroyed by the Spanish. Again, sexual tools created, sexual tools destroyed. Um, what are y'all so mad about orgasms for? That's like my question. Is like, why are you so not the mad right about orgasm? Kind of orgasm. Okay, God didn't say your God isn't real. <laughs> um, so, 
Uh, same story with the Aztecs. However, there are some very biased accounts from the Spanish regarding sacred prostitution. Um, it it may be the only evidence we have of the practice in Mesoamerica. Uh, Bernardo Bernardo de Sahagun de Sahagun, a Spanish friar, describes debauched and blasphemous rituals where sex acts were performed as religious rites. What? As well as describing a class of women known as, oh man, this is hard because it's an Aztec word, um, a how anime, a h u i anime, a hui anime. I, I bet it's not pronounced anime. I don't think I it's anime, but, but that's okay. We'll we'll let it I, roll. It translates to pleasure girl. <laughs> we know hey, that. Maybe uh, it is anime. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, the Aztecs invented hentai. Yeah, that's um, what it is. Uh, he described them as evil women who take pleasure in their own bodies. I, every day of the goddamn week, would pick that. <laughs> every day over being a nun. I'm super sorry, but I'm just saying. Uh, Bernardo, a uh, bit of a prude. Um, and very judgmental, Bernardo. Mm. Come on. Uh, in modern times, we obviously have some really horrific cults which perform sex rituals as, as, a, as a, in quotation There's marks because it's abuse. Almost every single cult that's like a modern day cult has some aspect to it that's either like controlling the amount of sex, amount or style of sex, or requiring members to have sex with like the leaders. Like every single cult kind of has rules around those. And actually, that's where the cults start getting creepy. It's a a lot of times, like until that happens, they're like, oh, it's kind of weird. We all have to sell our shit and go live in this weird schoolhouse. But once it's like, <laughs> nope, all the girls got to have sex with me. That's when it gets really fucking weird. And that's when you can really identify like, oh no, this is an actual the, like, Yeah, really this bad, is when it's an really issue. Really bad cult. Yeah, I feel like if you're in a religion of some kind that dictates how and why and when you should have sex, meh, probably not good. Yeah, it's abominable and horrible. Often these spiritual abusers are rooted in patriarchy though. Yeah. Like all of this is very patriarchy based. As Joseph Smith said, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. As part of a revelation he received from God when Emma Smith was questioning her husband's practice of polygamy <laughs> uh, and the exchange of wives for favor in the early cult of Mormonism. Um, also, he wouldn't actually marry them. Like Joseph Smith would stand in a room with him and be like, say the words, say the words. Yes, yes, married. OK, let's have sex. And then like send them off into the world again. Like that of course. was not even that was not even the thing. So when you're a cult leader, you get to make these rules. Right? This is okay. This is, I think, a component in which I would not be a good cult leader because a lot of people are convinced I'm a cult leader and this is like the beginning of that. <laughs> I would not be a good cult leader because I would be like, I don't know what you're going to do with your sex life. Please just leave me out of it and consent. That's it. That's the whole thing. That would I would fail on that section. And see, the the biggest difference between that and sacred prostitution is that sacred prostitution is often a choice that people opt into, even though like the women in Corinth were sort of socially compelled. Uh, they had a choice uh, like you are choosing to sit at this temple and wait. I, the, I, the social component of it is what's icky. So, well, I think the thing that's so weird is like this perception of like sex workers selling themselves as like being anything other than like the person's choice, right? And I think so often you see that like reflected with women when they're like, oh, no, 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 you're departing from the way that society says that you should be and we can't handle that and we hate that. And so it's weird that like 
women being able to use often and especially like in earlier time periods the only thing that they had that was theirs which was their body was like perceived as like an affront and that's what it is is it's like it's a fuck you to pay to patriarchal society that's what it is truly because women are then in control over those transactions and men don't want to have to view sex as a transaction but oftentimes that's the only thing that women really have at their disposal to use and most of these like sacred prostitution things were a celebration of sex and femininity well yeah because they weren't fucking christian they didn't have all the same rules that were like dictating that sex is bad because with like like think about dionysus i mean they were doing ceremonies to that to getting to have sex and that was viewed and that's why you use sex magic now kind of as a way to commune with the gods because it was used as an offering to the gods especially if you channel a god or if you give that experience to a god then they take that energy so that's yeah the shame uh, surrounding sex has always been a tool of control. Oh, yeah, control for sure. And the more ashamed people are, the less they talk about it. And the less they talk about it, the more opportunities exist for abuse. The, like you just yes. make the space more open to abuse. And today, however, there is a form of sacred prostitution sort of that exists called in the form of sex therapy. Mm-hmm. Over the centuries... Sexual shame and abuse have led to deeply rooted traumatic scars on people. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are people today who absolutely struggle with intimacy and feel deep personal shame uh, for their own bodies and desires. I know I did when I was like a teenager in the Mormon church. I'd masturbate and cry and immediately pray and like panic uh, for those who need sex therapy for sexual dysfunction derived from shame or abuse. There are practitioners known as sex surrogates who work with sex therapists to help people achieve a state of healthy intimacy. Part of this therapy includes relaxation techniques, communication practices, validation of a healthy body image, and some light sensual touching. Uh, While not religious in nature, this might be our modern form of sacred prostitution. It's escort slash sex work for the purposes of healing. Mm -hmm. That's another thing um, that... I found to be really interesting kind of in like sex work as real work discourse that I saw like on Twitter was this one woman who said that most of her clients are disabled and they're people that aren't able to have sex with other people. So she's like, I don't understand like why we need to limit disabled people or people who might not be conventionally attractive or conventionally able to have partners from being able to have sex. Like, I don't think that that's probably a thing. So that's like a really interesting part of that discourse, too, is like looking at sex work as a valid form of like working on intimacy and working on other things because you go to a therapist when you're mentally ill you go to a doctor when you're sick would you not go to someone who can help you work through your intimacy issues without i don't know fucking adopting a partner that you're going to traumatize forever might as well pay you someone to be (laughs) healthy about it fuck yeah and uh i this really made me think of the uh the part in game of thrones uh where one of the oh gosh what were the warriors called that Daenerys got the mercenaries and they castrate them all Uh, I don't know. I never watched it. uh, Anyway, she has this army of castrated warriors and one of them gets murdered and they find out that he was staying with a prostitute. And they were like so confused, like, oh, why would he be with a prostitute? He doesn't have a penis. And it's like, well, it's less about just like putting your dick in someone and more having someone with you. Yeah, more about intimacy. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of the time it's a lot more wholesome than you know, it's kind of become. And I think that that loss of wholesomeness comes from the huge amount of like because shame. Because it's dangerous. And, and yeah, this bad discourse, this mm-hmm. toxic discourse around sex. Yeah. 
Anyway, that was the extra spell brought to you by... You. You. <laughs> Donate any amount of money to at dollar compliments on Venmo, and I will do a fake, not psychic reading of whatever tarot card I pull for you. Uh, you can also support us by subscribing to patreon.com slash mancy. As a stancy, you'll receive episodes as soon as we're done making them, so no more waiting for part two. You'll also get to hear the occasional blooper and some behind-the-scenes takes <laughs> when we collect them. I think, did yeah. you post the ones of me hiccuping? Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's pretty good. Those are pretty no, good. Pretty yeah, oh, Elle could not stop hiccuping. And you can hear that if you become a stancy. Yeah. And now, back to sex magic. We're going to move out of ancient times and into the 19th century. The single most prominent figure in sex magic, of course, that greasy motherfucker, <laughs> Aleister Crowley. His teachings still exist today, and there are present-day practitioners of sex magic that follow the basic teachings of Crowley and other noted sex magicians, such as Paschal Beverly Randolph and Ida Craddock. I want to talk about Ida specifically and her books, Heavenly Bridegroom and Psychic Wedlock, which were reviewed by Aleister Crowley himself, mm. who said, <clears throat> One of the most remarkable human documents ever produced. Oh my god, I hate this voice. And it should I certainly find voice. a regular publisher in book form. The authoress of the MS claims that she was the wife of an angel. She expounds the greatest lengths of philosophy connected to this thesis. Her learning is enormous. <laughs> this book is of incalculable value to every student of occult matters. No magic library is complete without it. Elle took her headphones off while I did my Elle's Yeah, no. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> I don't know if you're listening to this, dear reader, with some earbuds in, but I hated that <laughs> so much. You might have, too. <laughs> I was waiting for your voice to crack. You know? <laughs> um, what is it? I'm sorry if that's what I imagine he sounds like. <laughs> I... Some followers of Crowley are hexing me right now. I, yeah, I used to rent space to them when I owned a store. <laughs> I know. In fact, uh, my next paragraph, uh, the book was reproduced by OTO, um, mm. Ida Craddock's book. Aleister Crowley's spiritual followers that still exist to this day, they are fairly esoteric, at least they try to be. Uh, a lot of the literature is so old and accessible, though, that it kind of makes it hard to keep everything a secret, mm -hmm. uh, including the writings on sex magic. And Elle, you know more about OTO than I do. I don't actually really know that much about it. They really, um, yeah, I don't know. Cause I haven't gone to any, I haven't gone to any of their stuff. I don't really have any interest in that. I don't, you know, I'm a solitary practitioner for a reason mm. that, that includes not, not, uh, picking partner activities when I'm doing spells. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about it. I'm not pers I've never been drawn to Aleister Crowley's stuff. Just pretty much not ever have I been like, I want to know what this is. So a lot of people ask me what my opinion is. I don't really have one. I'm not meh. So I don't know. 
You can, can you explain OTO for <laughs> yeah. your research? No, uh, I didn't put that much in here because I don't know how closed it is. So Yeah, that's the other thing is like, I, to me, I feel like if it were things that were supposed to be known by people who were not initiated into it, then I probably would know. And I don't. I've heard some... One of my readers who rented another office for me when they were renting space for me had a lot of opinions about it and was like, they are sexual predators and they will prey on anyone and it will ruin your energy in the store to rent to them. And I was like, okay, well, I specifically don't discriminate based on magical practice. So... If you have specific proof, if you would like to lodge specific complaints and or if you need to lodge some sort of police report against them, I'm more than happy to help with that. But until and unless they exhibit really, really scary or abusive behaviors, I'm not going to tell them that they can't be here. Yeah. So I like that's pretty much as far as I ever went with it. And man, because of this this bad narrative around sex, like anything that has sex involved to some people is abuse. abuse. I mean, doggy style is abuse to some people, even right. though it's like between consensual adults. Uh, but at the same time, having something be esoteric and secret like that. You don't know you what's know, happening. That's but a little, that's a little they sketch. They don't have anyone. OTO didn't have anyone who was under the age of 18. And so at it's that a, point. That's a, good, that's a good indicator that like. On the right track. Yeah. Like if you if that's like a requirement for things, um, they also were renting like a public space. So we had windows. I had I always had a key to the door that they were in. Like I could have just gone in during their ritual and seen what was going on mm-hmm. there. Like I just think to me, how many people would say that about voodoo? How many people would come to me and say voodoo is inherently bad and probably a lot. And, you know, they say that because they're racist. So when you're looking at things being bad or discriminating based on, like, magical practice and belief, I just don't think that you should. It's not your fucking business, bro. Mm. If it's not for you, leave it alone. So Ida, who I'd rather talk about than Aleister Crowley, we're we're probably going to talk about Aleister Crowley eventually. Probably when we do an episode that's just the tarot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about the Toth tarot. We'll talk yeah. about Aleister Crowley specifically. Like, yes, he was known for sex magic, big proponent, big part of what he did. But there are other people that I think are better people to talk about uh, with this topic. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Ida Craddock, uh, who was a proponent of something called Dianism, named after the Roman goddess of chastity, Diana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember when I brought up the old coitus interruptus and the old coitus reservatus in mm-hmm. ancient China, you know, preventing ejaculation, the edging? Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming back to it. There's a reason I brought that up specifically because it was a thing in the 19th century for very similar reasons with the works of Ida Craddock and other sex magicians. Craddock promoted what she called the three degrees of trading. Uh, the first is called alphaism, which is sex for the purposes of reproduction uh, or just being in the state of pregnancy. Oh, um, okay. And uh, the second is dianism, which is etching. Sex without ejaculation and orgasm, which she says is the most difficult of the three degrees. Essentially, it's about mastering your own desire and exhibiting supreme self-control. And this follows Crowley's philosophy of do what thou wilt, which doesn't necessarily mean do whatever you want. It's more like exerting your own willpower and focusing all of your willpower mm-hmm. uh, on your life's purpose. And in that way, Dianism in sex magic is the ultimate exercise of your will. Hmm. Okay. Like, and I really want to just bust a nut, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Because I have self-control and I'm proving it right now. <laughs> so. 
Um, Also, did you know that followers of Diana were always famously called virgins? But at that time, virgin only meant that you didn't have sex with men. Nice. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Like, that's (laughs) fucking dope. So now you know. Fun fact. Now you know. It's a God's loophole. Another God's loophole. (laughs) Yep. Homosexuality is God's loophole. Um, (laughs) It is. It really is. I have friends that are gay that are like, I think that gay people can't reproduce because we need to keep the population down. And I was like, probably. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's also like... It occurs in nature all the time. It's also a very, very natural and, state of being. And like intense intimacy is part of the human condition and it helps keep us alive if, even if you look at it animalistically. Yeah. Intimacy helps keep us alive. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, the third and highest degree, according to Craddock, is incorporating a deity or an angel into sex. And I don't exactly know how that works. <laughs> but it sounds like a very exciting hmm. threesome. <laughs> Uh, I would imagine I would imagine that they aren't saying like the angel or whatever the fuck comes and bees with you like physically, mm-hmm. but I would say it would be like in conjunction with so like opening a circle and allowing them to come through or just inviting their presence to be with you. Or if you're masturbating, then you could like have them come in as a partner like energetically. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Ida was a big proponent of like uh, – being married to specific like deities or angels uh and forming like romantic bonds with have these you deities you've or seen uh angels in america the play yeah or the hbo i think we've had this conversation before i can tell no i haven't i'm waiting until the play comes so i can see it with you because you want me to see it so bad we gotta watch no we should just watch the hbo a six-part series of it because in that it has um, one of the characters having sex with an angel and it is the best orgasm he's ever had. And it was a woman nice. and he's gay and he's like, what the fuck? Nice. I mean, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these angels, they look, they look sexy as hell. Like, um, angels are completely like non-corporeal, non-corporeal. So you know what? You're going to leave that in. Still sounds sexy. Um, <laughs> so they can be whatever you want them I, to I be. I really like the show Don't Tell You Did with the word non-corporeal. Yeah. By making your actual language non-corporeal as it came out of your mouth. <laughs> You're so fucking rude. <laughs> Dude, RJ was giving me shit after our last episode because it was my first time reading. And I, like, low-key sometimes struggle with reading. And RJ was like, do you see how many times we had to stop to correct this? Don't do that. And I was like, be nice to me. Like, you're fucking rude. <laughs> anyway, this is another example of me telling RJ to be oh, nice man. to me. Uh, so those are the three degrees of training in sex magic, according to Craddock. Uh but I'm not done talking about her. No, no, no. Idocratic story is absolutely wild. And I had no intention of putting this in the episode I've until n- I found it. I've never heard of her. So I'm very excited. So while her works pioneered modern sex magic, the sex magic that OTO still does today because her books were very endorsed by Aleister Crowley and later adapted directly into OTO by initiates. Mm-hmm. Um she had some really progressive ideas about sexuality and sexual expression. Yes, a lot of the work was about like having involving angels and sex and mani- manifesting your desires through masturbating without reaching orgasm. However, coming from the Victorian philosophy of her time in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that all sex was bad and shameful and should be resisted at every turn, she was pretty 
fucking progressive and like way ahead of her time. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, being progressive uh, kind of puts you in the crosshairs. I have never once heard that. <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked. I know. Being on the on the forefront of progressive discourse kind of uh Dude, I'm not even is, on the forefront. And yeah. I I get my fair share of like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And while Ida's work received praise from occultists and even the big cheese, uh, Aleister Crowley himself, uh, the law had other ideas. <laughs> In the early 1900s, there was a huge policing effort involving censoring things sent through the mail. Sex manuals. Like Craddock's, it was classified as a sex manual, tells you how to have sex, uh, <laughs> were illegal to distribute through the mail as it was considered illegal pornography and carried some serious charges. Again, this was due to the anti-sex sentiment as a holdover from the Victorian era. Like people in the Victorian era were just trying so hard to just like mad, like make their genitals disappear. Like they hated sex so much. It's wild. I well, I think that has to come from the ideas of like there's a lot of Christianity that maybe is getting bred like an idea that's getting bred out of Christianity, but that like suffering is Christ-like and if you do anything but suffer, you're wrong. I know. And like it makes me look at these like Victorian period period like royalty dramas that like our other roommate likes a lot. Yeah. And like they're so sultry. There's so so much sex. And like literally in the trailer, a dude was like boning this girl against a tree. And I'm like, you know what? That dude would be in big, big trouble with everyone around what him was that? forever. I can't remember. It's like a Downton Abbey something oh, or other. Oh yeah. But like that ain't how. That's that not how, how it was. was, and like I, it's very strange that people like romanticize that period of time because that was bad, you guys. Like s- slavery was like beginning to like literally dissolve, so kind bad. of like and and like um, the grip on us was like so tight with like industrialism and if politics pe- and religion. If people did have sex, they were literally doing it with their clothes. I on. know they would like pick up fifteen fucking layers of skirt. Yeah, no, like, and no. Uh, all of that was coming into the next century, and then we have progressive people like Ida Craddock going like fucking angel, have fun. Um, you know, <laughs> one thing I do want to say is that they did they did push the uh, their breasts up so high that you could see their areolas, so that was sassy. Oh, did you know that? No. Oh yeah, they did that like in Victorian era. I can envision one of my sorority sisters telling me this over breakfast because she was a history major. So mm. now I've shared this with you. Yeah. Uh, so Craddock's first indictment came in 1889 when an article she wrote on sex and marriage appeared in a Chicago medical journal. Literally, like sexual education in an actual medical journal. And she pled guilty and received a suspended sentence. Like, first time, but it was in a medical journal. And so, I'm sorry, you know, they toe in the line here. But warning. Warning. Don't do it. <laughs> Sex and such a big part of medical stuff. I know, right? Which is probably the only thing that saved her bacon with the suspended sentence. And in 1902, she was indicted again, though, mm-hmm. and faced a uh, trial In New York, she distributed her book, The Wedding Night, through the mail and a sting operation uh, within from within the Postal Service seized copies of it. She was arrested and her lawyers suggested she should plead insanity to avoid jail time. How insane would it be to have to plead insanity 
to avoid going to jail because you talked about sex. Like that thing that everyone's parents had so they could be here today. Probably a bunch because you really got to practice. It's, you know, it's it's a it's it's a, it's a job to create yeah. a baby. So And like the wedding night wild had, had a lot of sex magic, a lot of the stuff about like deities in it. So double whammy, the, the people who were like, oh, this is a medical journal. So you're towing a dangerous line here. We'll give you a warning, but we'll charge you if you mm-hmm. fuck up again. And then this time they were like, no excuses. You're blasphemous and obscene to jail with you. Um, and her lawyers were like, this is crazy stuff. You're talking about angels and sex. You should just plead insanity. They'll buy it. They'll buy that. And she was like, no, because I'm not insane. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So refusing to plead insanity, she ended up spending most of her sentence in the Blackwell's Island Workhouse. Hmm. And the moment she was released... She was immediately rearrested by Postal uh, Inspector Agent Anthony Comstock. And Who just this, needed to get laid. This motherfucker, <laughs> Anthony Comstock, oh boy, is there's very few people like that I talk about on the show that I'm like, I straight up hate that person. Uh, Anthony Comstock is one of those people where I'm like, Mm-mm. I straight up hate you. Mm-hmm. I straight up hate you, Anthony Comstock. Um, she was arrested for violating... The Comstock Act. Yes, he had an act named after himself, which he was solely in charge of enforcing. <laughs> yeah. There's he, no there's no uh, power trip there. He's right? a piece of shit. He's an absolute piece of shit. Right. Um, Comstock was an anti-vice activist, and he absolutely abhorred anything sexual or sexual adjacent. He was an anti-contraception misogynist, and the Comstock Act would result in the suppression of any discourse involving sex, including sexual education, for a very long time, for decades. And even today, we still have holdovers from it. The Comstock Act made it illegal to trade in the following. Obscenity, contraceptives, abortificants, sex toys personal letters with any sexual content or information or any information regarding the above items. Not just the mail, like any kind of trade. You couldn't be like, hey, I made this dildo and we're working class. Boom, Comstocked. <laughs> Comstocked for that. Anthony Comstock would receive a commission from the Postmaster General to head up the special task force to enforce the Comstock Act. In addition, many states adopted their own versions of Comstock laws, which were basically state versions of the federal law. And these laws were extremely oppressive. Imagine sending your partner a risque text message and federal agents like kick down your door and arrest you. Oh, the FBI agents and our phones are just so used to it now. They've seen so many unsolicited dick pics. They're like, Michael, put it away. <laughs> Fuck. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it, We talked about this. <laughs> Nobody wants to see your little Jeremy. Um, uh, He's Im- not so little. Imagine ordering a dildo from Amazon and then finding yourself in prison. You know, imagine finding yourself in a courtroom because you bought some plan B or gave some plan B to somebody. That's what life was like under the Comstock Act. Literally, you'd write like a sexy letter like, oh, I can't wait to see your swollen member, Andrew, uh, when you return from the war. Like that shit, you get arrested for that, for sending a sultry letter. So like love letters had a lot of fucking coded language. So like the XOXO. Mm hmm. Coded language. 
Oh yeah. Coded language to to try to be sexy, even just a little bit in in your love letters. Huh. Because okay. not allowed to like mm. say like I want you to rail me like it's the first time. Like you can't do that. Um but you can say <laughs> X's and O's. Uh wink know, wink. Winks. You can uh, you know put some lipstick on and kiss the letter, you know. Spray it with some perfume. Yeah. So, like, there were tons of ways around that. And we we find that even today is there are, like, roundabout ways always to, like, communicate um, sexual interest or desire. Well, yeah, like Tumblr. Like, people were, like, when the, like, pornography ban happened on Tumblr, it's still there. People are just, like, they just dodge it. They just make new fucking accounts. They just do right. different shit. Like, it's forever. And I should say that the Comstock Act was mostly repealed in 1957. And the state Comstock laws, you know, would lag behind but eventually start to fade away. There was obviously massive social movements in resistance to Comstock laws, mostly led by women. The free love movement is what really helped put the nail in the coffin for the Comstock laws in the 1960s. The fight isn't over, though, because we have new laws like SESTA and FOSTA that are making it really fucking difficult for independent sex workers to create an environment where sexual, uh, like, the to do, like, safe sex work. Like, again, when you repress these things, you create space for abuse. Um, yeah, so that's things like... As much as I'm sure some people would really like to outlaw abortions, you know what people are going to do? They're going to get a hanger and go into a back alley. Because as long as, like, people um, have a moment of privacy, of secrecy, they're going to do what they're going to do, especially with their bodies. You don't do anything but make it less safe. And as an EMT, I have seen firsthand how dangerous that is. Uh, Like, (laughs) people die from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And, like... Creating the like even what happened to Tumblr, like a lot of the people on Tumblr were, you know, independent creators. Yeah. Uh, And so they were pushed out. However, the people who are really good at like hiding it and breaking the law uh, tend to stay. And yeah, those are the ones that were already flying under the radar by doing yeah, and like while, illegal sexual activities anyway. Yeah, and it, in, instead of being to the person going going to the people who are doing it the most ethically, it goes to the people who can keep the best secrets. And those people are, are never the ones often, that do it often abusive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like I've said, you know, the less people talk about it. The more abuse happens. Yeah. Uh, so write your goddamn senators, your co- goddamn congresspeople. Uh, but let's get back to Ida Craddock's story. Do you want to ring the bull? Yeah. I mean, it's in the script, but we'll ring the bull because I went on tangent while I was writing. So. Okay. Ida was tried and convicted for violating the Comstock Act, and her trial was 100% in a kangaroo court. The judge declared her written work, The Wedding Night, to be so obscene and dirty that the jury was not allowed to read it or see it. Oh, yeah. They can totally make a fair judgment based on that. Yeah. And the jury decided to convict her, having not seen the evidence at all. Well, if it's so bad that we can't see it, how could she not be guilty? Exactly. Uh... Ida was 45 years old, and when she was sentenced to five years, she felt like that was a life sentence. She was like, yeah. I'm already so old, you might as well just kill me. Uh, on October 16th, 1902, the day before she was going to be put in federal prison, she sent a letter to her mother and wrote a public suicide note. She then slashed her wrists and, and put her head into a gas oven to make double sure she would die. Her suicide attempt was successful, and Ida Craddock died in 1902. 
Well, society got what it wanted, didn't it? Yeah, real fucking awful. Not be an issue. Real fucking awful. In 2007, like we're going to talk about some legacy stuff. In 2007, a stage play was created about Ida's struggling conflict with Anthony Comstock. The play was called Smut, and it premiered in Miami. In addition, her work lives on and is widely used by members of OTO. While Ida met a tragic end, her work helped create hope for the future and helped inspire the free love movement and other sex-positive and feminist movements, that created a lot of the progress that we enjoy today. The progress and the elimination of Comstock laws were hard fought, but their legacy still remains in the forms of like oppressive anti-abortion laws, oppressive contraception laws, and the oppressive criminalizing of sex workers and even sex itself. It wasn't until 2003, 2003, uh, that the Supreme Court found sodomy laws to be unconstitutional. In Utah, sex without being married was considered fornication and was illegal until that 2003 Supreme Court decision. Utah's sodomy laws also meant that any kind of anal sex, oral sex were against the law. For 2003, illegal to get a blowjob. Do we not have better things (laughs) to be doing? In Utah today, it is still illegal to describe a sex act in public. Oh, uh uh-oh. There's been a lot of times I probably should have gone to jail. (laughs) I broke this law a lot. Yeah. Uh, There was a time when I wanted to hold an erotica poetry mic Mm -hmm. and no venue would have it because they were terrified of attracting attention from the police for holding an erotica mic. They were absolutely – they were like, we we can't do that because, you know, it puts our business in jeopardy. Yeah. And that's a real thing. That's so sad. Yeah. Ida's story leads us to our next story. We're going to talk about Rosaline Norton, also known as the Witch of King's Cross. She was an Australian artist and activist in the 1940s and 50s and 60s. Like Ida, she would be oppressed at every turn for her art, which was considered obscene and blasphemous. Of course, Rosaline was known for finding inspiration in sex magic and the teachings of Aleister Crowley and other sex magicians. Australia's prude police were just as tough as America's, and Rosaline's work was way ahead of its time. It was way ahead of its time. Elle and I watched a documentary on her uh, that just came out. Uh, we saw we saw it on on Prime Video, and it was the documentary was just fabulous. It was so good. It was like. I'm a huge documentary buff. I love documentaries, but it was so artistic and beautiful and, like, I think really portrayed her struggle in a really interesting and beautiful way. Also, she just looks so interesting. She just, like, her face, her face in and of itself, she's got these crazy eyebrows. And I think, I don't know, I really liked it. And her art is phenomenal to look at. I would say she was shiny. She was very shiny. She was too shiny. She was just very fascinating. Like, there was something about her that you just wanted to know, which is what being shiny is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she's going to be the subject of parts two and three of our coverage of sex magic. For now, though, we're going to do some divination with the dick deck. I don't know how possible it's going to be. We're going to try it, I guess. Okay. So uh, a tarot reading, but with penises uh divination by dick is actually called phallomancy and phallomancy is a form of body reading like palm reading or face reading but with the penis Uh, it was originally done in ancient india tibet and china there isn't too much information on it as the sexual literature has a tendency to you know 
get destroyed <laughs> at certain moments of history. But here's what we do have. So I'm going to go over phallomancy real quick before I do the reading. Tibetans believed that a big penis was bad luck. <laughs> if you squat and your penis is like flush with your heels, then you will lead a life of sorrow and misery. If your penis is too big, you will have a life of impotence and poverty. In India, they believe something similar. A big dick means bad luck, but if the penis is straight and sinewy, whatever the sinewy means, um, <laughs> there are no sinews in your dick, pretty sure. Um, but that's that's what it said uh, on Witches United, which is why I'm getting this information. Um, it means that you will live a life of wealth if you have the straight sinewy, sinewy dick. A penis that curves to the left indicates poverty. The te- uh, if the testicles are perfectly symmetrical, then it indicates royalty. If they're not symmetrical, then you will be lustful. <laughs> if the tip of the penis is raised, then the person will father daughters and be poor. If the tip of the penis is is uh, like in like a dimple, like dimpled, okay, uh, then it means you will have many cows. You'll have extra, more cows than others. I just love that having daughters is a curse. Love that. It's great. <sighs> I love this is kind of body shamey, if I'm being honest. No, that's the thing. Like the, the dick deck that we got. It's kind of body shamey. It's like, it's just kind of gross. There's also uh, no non-white people in it, which is a fucking problem. I think there's one of a non-white person in there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, small penis means wealth, though. So, you know, small penis, riches. Listen. If you're like me and you have just really bad luck in your romantic life, you can just have a lot of money. So it's fine. Fuck it. Honestly, pretty good trade. Yeah, Um, right? The only comprehensive how-to I found for Fallomancy contains – it seems to have contradictory uh, information to the historical things I found. But it's just a little bit less body-shamey. Still kind of body shamey. Mm I don't know why all this has to be so body shamey, but apparently it does. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's – hard to do phallomancy without feeling like your dick is getting judged i guess because uh, because it is it kind of literally <laughs> getting examined to predict something yes yeah. uh so i'm gonna read some excerpts from the blog post on which is united uh so oh man um thick penis okay so you don't have to be the longest but you've got the thickness This reveals that your imagination comes into play, backed by solid determination and fiery energy. Um, Blunt or square tip? The blunt or square tip shows the owner is a practical lover who prefers to let his actions show how much he loves his partner rather than words. And I feel like the the dick deck lifted almost straight from this post. That sounds pretty much exactly like it. Mm-hmm. Do you think they know? Should we tell them? Maybe. We like, should tell which is United. Mm-hmm. Which is United, do you know that nope. Peter's out? Yeah, Peter's out who Peter's <laughs> out is the, the publisher. Maybe that's maybe that's why he's using a pseudonym. Uh, because, because he stole it and he doesn't want to be sued. Yeah, it's fucking copyright written. So like I feel like maybe we uh, should tell them. I mean well maybe which is United stole it from the dick deck. Who knows? Chicken and egg. Oh, well what year is that? The okay. We can't we can't do this right now. And now with that background on Fallomancy, let's dig into this dick deck that we've barely looked at. All right. 
initial impressions of the dick deck. Honestly, I'm not impressed. I, it straight up looks like a bunch of dick pics I never asked for. Yeah, that is exactly. And the some of the some of these dicks, um, you know, like <laughs> just look like somebody took it on like a. It literally on a phone. looks like a, a dick pic. Like someone sat down and was like, "Gotta send some dick pics to a bunch of people." Yeah, and then on the back, it like explains what's unique about this particular dick. And yeah. what that what that means. And like I read the instructions. Apparently you lay all the cards out. You you basically play guess who with your own dick and you discard the cards that don't apply to your penis. And so it's just another way for men to unfairly judge their own genitals. Like there wasn't enough of that already. Well, Peter's out, I've got another thing coming for you. Because okay. today I'm gonna super super try to use your fucking stupid ass deck <laughs> to do a psychic I, reading i was low-key just a little bit excited but after I reading thought, it well i could have thought it would be this is what i thought it would be i thought it would be um drawings of penises very similar like for some reason in like a japanese art style it's kind of like what i had envisioned that they'd be like really pretty and like pleasing to look at and these literally these pictures literally make me want to pluck my eyes out like i just want to jab a fork into my <laughs> eye which is not a new thing for me because i have migraines but yeah is I, how they make me feel i think he definitely sourced this on reddit or something i'm pretty um, sure this is like a tumblr that got shut down like peter's out had a tumblr and he was gonna lose it and he's like i gotta immortalize all these dicks somehow yeah and like i don't know like it's fine to have just a, a deck with weird dicks in it um you know but th the thing that's just weird is like he uses a lot of the really old very outdated body shamey things yeah like, uh you will father only daughters is literally in his dick deck and i'm like i think we've moved i think that, that we can all just agree that that's not a fucking thing and also if it is and you're fucking upset about it probably just fuck off because we don't need you if you're that dad that's like, I don't want a girl, fuck you. Anyway, this reading is going to be for Madison Can Can, who is a sex positivity activist a and a professional clown um, and combines the two often. Um, Madison was in the Salt Lake Fringe Festival with me one year and their show was basically like a sex ed show in the style of Big Comfy Couch with like um genital puppets that would say things and give sex ed information it was it was funny uh it was absurd it was informative but all of their posters for their fringe festival show ended up just getting taken down like they kept taking them down mm -hmm. and so it was like a big issue because at the fringe festival you're kind of supposed to promote your own show and you make money off of your ticket sales and your ticket sales only so you pay for a spot in the fringe festival that you have to advertise that you have to sell tickets to. And so taking down the posters like that, really fucking yeah. st stupid. Um, but again, we have a lot of these leftovers uh, from, you know, the Comstock Act and people who are just prudes about stuff. And like Madison's posters were not even that bad. Like there was not anything really graphic about it. Hmm. It just was explaining that the show talks about sex and people were apparently like, ooh, can't have that. Put it in the garbage where we can't see it, Jeffrey. If the children hear the word, they will know. It offends my ears and eyes. Um, so I felt like Madison was a good person to do a reading for when we talk about this, especially with all the bullshit that happened with Ida Craddock and all the bullshit we're going to learn about in the other parts with Rosalie Norton. 
Mm. Um, anyway, how do you plan on on using this this dick deck? I should explain uh, Madison's question first, though, right? Or yeah, no? go ahead and explain the questions. Okay, Madison's question is, uh, oh, magical phallus deck of guidance and direction. Will I be moving and traveling in the future? Uh, sh- uh, what would happen if I sold my home? Or could I turn it into a circus Airbnb? Which I think is obviously the thing that you yeah, should do. That obviously sounds like a good time, uh, regardless of what Peter's Alts dick deck says. But, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm probably, I, I would say I'm about 75% sure we're not actually going to get anything usable out of the dick deck. I'm just going to be mm. completely honest with you, Madison. I just, I don't think that's going to work. But- I will do a reading for you that will work, that will answer your questions. Um, we kind of were having this conversation because um, we're in talks with um, someone who wants to sponsor several shows. And they were like, well, um, what can you do? And I was like, I can do anything because I don't need divination styles to read because I'm just a psychic. This is just who I am. So don't worry. If I if your form of divination doesn't work, we figure it out. But I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly what we're going to get out of these cards. So I'm going to, I think, pull like five cards, see what they say, see if I can like pluck any sort of meaning out of them. Maybe, maybe we'll get the bushy, bushy uh, hair. You pluck some of that. Oh, man. <laughs> Just one by I, one. <laughs> and should, this is not the first time the divination has not worked. If you recall, Charlie Charlie did not work in our spirit boards episode. Um, we'll see I, all I'm thinking about is wondering if there are video cameras in this room and if this is it if this is the last time we get to record here because we have the dick deck if, if there are I don't think they're high enough quality to see you know one of these is literally a micro penis so yeah it is okay I have selected five cards um so you have penis long and bent, uh, mole at tip of penis. Oh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Penis bent sharply, which honestly. <laughs> it looks painful. It really this does. It looks painful. It looks really like, yeah, I don't know. Um, small testicles. Mm-hmm. You know, good old small testicles. Yes. See, this one is a straight up fucking dick pic. This is like a dick pic that someone took on a Nokia flip phone and fucking <laughs> sent to someone as the first fucking dick pic like, sent like, over. AOL like, just look at it. Like, these are not models who modeled for this deck. This is that. It's yeah. just, I don't know. And the last one is wide or bulbous shaft. Wide or bulbous shaft. Oh, that's when the the shaft girth is larger than the tip girth. Yes. Um, okay, so... Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Elle is, like, turning them over. Like, like let's just read the text on the back. I just don't want to look at these bad dick pics anymore. Don't send them to me. This is going to be a calling card for people to fucking flood my goddamn Twitter DMs. Don't do that to me. If you do that to me, I will probably, like, post it. On my Twitter for all 18,000 of my followers to see. So don't do that to me. If you, I guess if that's your kink, then go for it. But you're just going to get blocked. So anyway, let's read the back of these cards. Um, so 
Penis long and bent is if your penis, if the penis is long and bent, then you are definitely not to be trusted in matters sexual. Mm-hmm. Dubious. Mole at tip of penis. You are a sincere lover who takes responsibility in matters of love. Oh. If uh, penis bent sharply. If your penis has a sharp bend in it rather than a gentle curve, you can be a lecher and a user, sharp and astute. You don't mind cheating if it gets you what you want. I'm going to go ahead and guess that Madison is also polyam. No? I'm, I'm not sure. I've never, okay. I've well, um, I just feel like people who are sex positive tend to be like a little bit more open-minded about all that stuff. So, you know. Um, I wouldn't, you know, anyway. Okay. Uh, small testicles. Testicle size is usually genetically determined. Why would the rest of the shit not be genetically determined? Peter's out. Why? I mean, you can sometimes get a molar marking on the tip of your penis without it being, like, genetic. It can just happen as a form of, like, scarification or dying from, like, underwear. Um, but... Yeah, that seems like a dumb fucking thing to say. Okay. He pro- it does sound like um, he copied and pasted this shit. Yeah, if you have smaller testicles but adequate testosterone production, that allows you to maintain erections and el- and ejaculate ejaculate well. Why complain? The average testicle size after puberty measures up to around two inches long, point. 0.8 inches in breadth and 1.2 inches. There's a weird space between like one space period two inches in height. Uh, in parentheses, 5X to X3XSCM. Cool. So that was interesting sexual health information. Um, um. Now we know. Okay. So then your wider bulbous shaft. <laughs> This is, this is the most absurd. I thought the chicken magic would be the most absurd magic. No, it's we would most do. definitely the penis magic. Yeah. It's, this is like I have never had less fun with a penis in my life. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> endowed with both thinner and thicker sections on the same penis, the the owner must learn how to best how to best pleasure his partner without ignoring his own needs. Also, women have penises. Why are these also... It's fine, okay? It may <laughs> need a little give and take to achieve a pleasurable end. Okay. <laughs> Those are our five dick cards. Um... <laughs> Madison, unless you have a penis, I don't know how these relate to you at all. Yeah. Um, okay. So I would I would say, um Okay, let's focus on a few things here, okay? Um, there's like it seems to be a theme of like responsibility, give and take, being able to negotiate and navigate things without feeling stuck in things also maybe looking at the practical side of things with all of like the scientific and sexual health knowledge that we learned about small testicles today you know that's a little bit of like looking at the practicality of matters and really looking at what's going to be available to you um something that's kind of interesting is like the repeating well because this is like a toxic monogamous bullshit thing but the repeating theme of like cheating and not to be trusted in matters sexual, which what does that even mean? But um, both of those things then seem to kind of indicate this like part of you that might be like trying to like slip under the uh, the radar, like kind of do things without people really noticing what you're doing or not really being ready to say that what you're doing until it's time. So I feel like you've already been kind of planning um moving and selling and doing all of that stuff and I feel like you have several tricks up your sleeve but you're not really ready to 
talk about them with people, but I feel like that's actually a really important thing that you need to start collaborating with other people and start like bringing things above board, above table to start having these legitimate conversations about what you're doing and what you're planning. Um, Especially if you're looking at doing the Airbnb thing, which feels amazing to me, but I think it feels like too much responsibility for you to handle on your own. So I either want you to outsource part of that help or collab with someone else and or I'm really sensing you not staying in the state anymore. I feel like it's time for you to kind of travel. What I'm hearing is travel indefinitely. So just kind of like turn the house into an Airbnb, have a friend watch over it, pay them part of what you make, and then just spend, you know, six months not being home and figuring out what home means to you. And that feels really good to me. Um, Make sure you're looking at the pragmatic side of things. Make sure you're doing everything above board. So you're like following all the laws, getting your business licenses, that kind of stuff. Um, And that you're willing to be a little bit flexible with how everything comes to pass. And I think that uh, doing the Airbnb thing and then traveling for a bit feels great. So I feel like... That was pretty good for a bunch of dicks. Yeah. For a, bo- for a, a veritable bouquet of phalluses. Um, and I utilized the cards and everything. Yeah. So. Hey. Hey. How Turns out that? you just have to be a good psychic no matter what the fuck medium you're using. Yeah. I mean, part part of what I really enjoy just about our show as a format is like challenging you to do all these weird divination things. Uh, I feel like it makes my readings better because I'm like experiencing different kinds of information coming through and or I'm identifying how um, how I can use the gifts that I have to I don't know navigate or like that they're very useful I guess a lot of readers get stuck in the like I just left out my tarot cards and no one can touch my tarot cards if you touch my tarot cards I, I just I, I can't use them anymore because they're broken they're just they're, the yeah and like so this is just like no if you're a psychic you can read whatever it is which is it's fun but yeah I feel like that was still a good reading and I feel like that's yeah. on point I think that that helps Matt, uh, answer Metazon's question um so <laughs> honestly <laughs> there you go I am personally impressed yeah. personally impressed <laughs> If y'all are impressed, you can donate to the Venmo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hit us up on Patreon and L will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. <laughs> Obviously, if we're doing something like sex magic, we'll ask for your express consent. Yeah, we almost we always make sure, yeah. ask for your express consent first, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's patreon.com slash Mansi. Also, if you liked the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. If you like my writing, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com. If you wanted to get a reading from me, you can find me on Etsy at Laurels of Lux, as well as my Twitter is at Laurels of Lux. I also just built an amazing website, which is laurelsoflux.com. So you can find me at Laurels of Lux. You can just plug it on into Google. It'll bring you to like an Instagram, a Pinterest, a Twitter, an Etsy, and a website. So y'all can find me. Yeah. And if you need an easy way to share the podcast mancypodcast.com is up and running Uh, the music was provided by in order of appearance Hayden Fulker, Arthi Vinka Miyu and Scott Buckley